Welcome to On the Scene Podcast. I'm Heather Harrison. And I'm Emma Dotson. And we're breaking down Mississippi's top stories. We will bring you breaking news, pop culture, and hot takes. Coming from the desk of two student journalists, we'll share our favorite news of the week with you. We're on the scene, reflecting on Mississippi's top stories. Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're talking about the Senate killing a ballot initiative bill without even voting. That sucks. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, intricacies here today. So first, our sources. We have a Mississippi Today article by Jeff Pender, and we also have a poll for Mississippi Today, and then we also have a Mississippi Free Press article by Coyote Crown. That's a really cool name. I know. Um, I think he's from Nigeria. I think that's what it is. (laughs) So ballot initiatives, if you didn't know, they're basically a way for voters to go around the legislators in order to put voting measures on the ballot. So a couple of examples are medical marijuana. That was Initiative 65. We have the state flag. When all that was going on, all this was happening around the same time. Mm-hmm. We also had cigarette tax, where citizens wanted a 50% tax on cigarettes. There's a whole long list. It's really fascinating if you want to go down that rabbit hole. We'll have a link for y'all if you want to just kind of peruse that. Yeah, so you can just kind of look and see what citizens have tried to put on the ballot or what's actually... I, th- I think those are the ones that actually made it onto the ballot. They must so, have, yeah. Um, anyway, there's a whole bunch of rules as well. You have to get votes from all of the congressional districts. And your votes cannot exceed like a fourth of each district, really specific. But basically, the Mississippi Supreme Court removed voters of their rights to write ballot initiatives in 2021 after 74% of voters um, voted in approval of medical marijuana. So uh, the power, I guess, was getting a little too scary from the citizen side. That seems like not allowed. Like it should not be allowed at all. Yeah, this went on without a vote. Like I said, Senator John Polk is the one who let this die. It came across his desk last Thursday, and he did not send it out to his colleagues. The House of Representatives sent him some modifications, um, and they had a... I'll go back into this more later. I just wanted to talk about that. They had sent some modifications for the bill, um, but, but Polk said that he fears that voters might use the ballot initiatives to allow labor union organization in the state, which would kind of repeal the right to work law. So I know that's been happening, the repeal of that in a couple other mm-hmm. states. He's scared of that thought, that thought, you know, coming down this way, I guess. That's what was kind of outlined in the articles that I read. But recent polling data that Mississippi Today acquired showed that voters approved reestablishing the ballot initiative procedure. Of course, voters... Yeah, we want your voice to be heard. Right. So 72% of participants were in favor of reinstating the ballot initiative. They had 12% opposed and 16% either didn't know or had no opinion. So 72% of participants. Wow. This just shows... Sometimes our state is so backwards, they only, the leaders only think about themselves and how they appear. And that's happened, I've just talked about this with multiple people, and that yeah. seems to just keep coming up. So voters, I don't know. This is very interesting. And so Senator Polk said another reason he let the bill die was because the senators wouldn't be able to come to an agreement on it. I guess this is something to consider when you vote next time, guys, that maybe these current politicians might not have your best... Right. Best interest in hand, in mind. I would definitely read articles, please. The legislative season's about to end, so catch up on all the articles from January until the next couple of weeks. 
read what your local legislators are doing, and then when it's time to vote, you'll know, okay, let me vote for them, let me not vote for them, because lots of topics have come up in this season, in this session, and they're very important ones that show you what your legislators think. Mm -hmm. So just do a little digging, please. We do our best to inform you, but we can't tell you everything. Yeah, we can't tell you about all the representatives and all the senators. There are plenty, but... Plus, everybody draws their own conclusions, so... Exactly. So Starkville has two senators and two representatives. Go check them out and see what they're voting on. Moving on. All right, so here's a change that the House made to the bill. It removed a statement that said voters could not, quote, amend or repeal the constitutional guarantee that the right of any person to work shall not be denied or abridged on account of membership or non-membership to any labor union or organization. And that's what I said. Well, that was about the labor union. Yeah, that's the right to work. And so the Mississippi Free Press said the House, quote, also inserted a a prohibition on using ballot initiatives to amend Mississippi's highly restrictive abortion laws, which polls show most voters oppose. Hmm. So, interessante. That is very interesting. All right. Here's what Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman told Mississippi Today. Quote, I have consistently said I'm in favor of an, in- of an initiative process in Mississippi. I trust the voters of the state, both in who they elect to office and on policy matters. A, member, a number of Republicans in the Senate have a different opinion on the initiative issue. This is a legislative process, and we will continue that process. Okay. We will continue that process. Will what we? is that supposed to mean, though, like in this context? Because you're not continuing that process. You're continuing legislating, but not in a way that accurately reflects the public's opinion. You just let this bill die. Why did you... <laughs> Doesn't he have some sort of control to, like, not let Polk just completely... Eh. I would assume. So what kills me. The leaders, they'll say something like this, like, this needs to change, or da-da-da-da-da. Well, where's the change? Like, we voted for you. You can do something. You can do the change. We can't. You can. That was the hope of a ballot initiative is to have change. <laughs> Are we just being crazy or what? Like, I mean, geez. All right, but here we go. Here's here's some sense. Um, or at least to us. Y'all gather your own opinions. Yeah. But again, like we said, do your research into your state legislators. To us, this is not what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. To you, maybe you don't care. I don't know. It's fine. Whatever you think. So, House and Senate Minority Leaders, Representative Robert Johnson III and Senator Derek Simmons gave a joint statement about their disappointment for the bill's death. Quote, it showed yet again just how out of step Republicans are with each other and with the vast majority of Mississippians, including their own voters. Luckily for all of us, it's an election year and we're happy to take our record on the campaign trail. We're not so sure our colleagues can say the same. Tea! (laughs) I'm telling y'all, politics, guys, it gets messy. What I've learned with my uh, stint in local politics is that if you have no, if someone is saying something crazy like a legislator, and you're like, "What?" There's always going to be at least one legislator that thinks the opposite, that thinks like you, and that says like to a reporter or to something, they say, "What?" Like, <laughs> and I love that because it seems like with everything, like literally with any topic, there's always at least one person that's like, "No." Well, yeah, I mean it goes for everything. That's how opinions work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's just so funny. All right. Well, that's all about the ballot initiative. I'm disappointed as a citizen that this was just allowed to die. Not even taken to a vote. That's what... If it was taken to a vote and the senators voted against it, I would... Yeah, and then it decided to die, then I would... Okay. It would... I would still be disappointed, but at least it would have gotten the chance 
to be read by everybody and voted on by everybody. Mm-hmm. More transparency. Like, what? Okay. Moving on from that, we have some updates about medical marijuana. I have been getting back into this topic. Um, and so I talked to former Governor Ronnie Musgrove the other day. He served from 2000 to 2004, which is why you probably don't recognize his name. I, was say, I knew like Haley Barber. Yeah, yeah, this was, yeah. We had a great conversation. So basically he and Quentin Whitwell, who are both lawyers, they're the owners of the first North Mississippi medical marijuana testing facility, Magnolia Tech Labs. All these syllables together are yeah. not working. <laughs> it's called Magnolia Tech Labs and it's set to open up in April. He was talking to me a lot about that and just his general thoughts about medical marijuana, which he is very positive on because his wife actually passed away to leukemia. And he and her both believe that she shouldn't have been taking all those opioids. Like, they wanted for her to be able to try medical marijuana. But she unfortunately passed away in 2021. So, it was really nice to talk to him. But basically, the Magnolia Tech Labs, he was, you know, hearing about medical marijuana, like dispensaries and products coming to shelves. And he was thinking, like, how are we going to test this? Like, somebody needs to test this and make sure there's no toxins, make sure it's not laced with something. Well, that's what a lot of people worried about, like, with marijuana in general, Mm -hmm. is how unregulated, you know, it was as an illegal substance. But it would be good to actually have that kind of legal medium of making sure people are safe. Yeah, so um, this lab is going to be in Holly Springs. It's going to test for toxins and also make sure the THC levels are the correct ones. So um, there's also going to be ones across the state. That's what he projected. Um, some in central Mississippi and south and north. And that way, you know, there's not one that's getting overloaded. But he said the timeline, so growers have already started growing. There's already products in shelves at dispensaries. Like, people are buying stuff. But this new season of growing is coming in between May to August. And that's when we'll have more dispensaries probably open up because their local shipment, their local, like, weed will be in stock. I see. So, very interesting. We learned about it a lot. I'll have an article um, sometime. I don't know. It's exciting. So, anyway... Uh, moving into dispensary talk, so Oxford already has three, Hattiesburg has one or two, a bunch of places have them. I'm like, where is Starkville? Because you would think, like, similar population to Oxford, similar need, mm-hmm. whatever. Of course, we always want to compare us to Oxford. Like, that's what I'm constantly doing because it makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, so, I've noticed two signs for dispensaries around town. There's Paul's Pain and Wellness Cannabis, and that's behind the gas station near Wendy's on 12th. And then there's also Greenwise Cannabis Starkville, and that's off of Highway 12. I can't quite remember where that one was. Um, but both the buildings are, like, empty, but they look like they're about to be ready for stuff to be coming in. So we'll see when they'll open up. I haven't, like, talked or knocked on any doors or anything. But the Paul's Pain and Wellness is connected to the new BJ's Pharmacy. They moved a little bit up the road. Okay, cool. So we'll see. If you happen to know anybody that has a medical marijuana card, or, like, has, is, like, going to visit dispensaries. It would be cool to know, like, what What's your experience. Their experience yeah. yeah. That's what I want to do an article on. That would be so cool. All right. That's enough updates on that. Moving into our locally segment. Um, for MSU, I was actually invited to this Reimagining MSU Taking Care of What Matters talk on April 11th. Dr. Keenum and Provost Shaw are going to speak. I got the email. I don't know how. Oh, I got the email for that too. Yeah. Uh, Not everybody got the email. I think you had to be like an employee or something. I know not even all of the reflector editors got one. I got one on my personal email. Um, I think they sent it to everybody in my organization, so. 
Anyway, I shall be there with my notebook in hand to report on what they say. I'm very intrigued. And um, so, anyway, I'll be back with an article on that. It, I don't know about the reflector. It will probably be in Startville Daily, though. Yeah, I do know it's supposed to be kind of talking about where MSU is going in the future. And that was like their whole rebrand of mm-hmm. the taking care of what matters. Kind of how that plays into the actions that they're taking. Yeah. So, we shall see. We'll keep you updated. Now, for Starkville, this one is some tea. It happened back on, it was like March the 7th, whatever. It was like a couple weeks ago. Anyway, at a Board of Aldermen meeting. So, the former police chief came up to the podium. This was the first meeting in March, so right after Black History Month. He came up to the podium and was like, why did the city not publicly celebrate or proclamate Black History Month? Mm-hmm. Like he said, nobody said anything about it publicly. You know, or like post it on Twitter, post it on social media, or had a little parade. Whatever it is, they didn't say Happy Black History Month at the very least, you know? Mm-hmm. And MSU, of course, has had a ton of events and tons of things saying yeah. Happy Black History Month. Frank Nichols was just saying, there are so many reasons to celebrate Black History Month. Well, I'm not here to criticize the board. I'm just here to say that next year we should do better, you know? Yeah. We should do better. Because he was police chief, and he said during his time as police chief, they established social media and stuff, and they would, his department would always highlight employees during Black History Month, Women's History Month, Starville Pride, Christmas Parade. Like, they would just highlight people throughout the year That's to show cool. appreciation. And so he's just kind of encouraging them to continue what he was kind of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I included this. I have a feature article about Frank Nichols and his wife Tammy and Yolanda Haddix because they founded the Juneteenth Committee for Unity here in Starkville. Um, but this bit of the drama is like embedded into the article. That's how I found this story was because of that meeting. Um, but it's a great story and it's one of my favorites that I've written. And just some interesting tea. Oh, and Mayor Sproul, let me give y'all what Mayor Sproul said. So after that, I asked Mayor Sproul, I was like, okay, why didn't the city, you know, announced Black History Month and she said well I didn't think to do it um we had never really done it during my time as mayor it's also Women's History Month and we haven't said anything for that and then she was like the state also celebrates Black History Month and so it kind of falls on top of us you know whatever like kind of loops us in together and that's what she said and then Frank Nichols had a great response he was like well, I don't think we rely on the state for anything else, so why should we rely on it for this? So, if you, there's like a lot more little conversation in that and some good quotes. If you want to read the article, I'll have it linked down below. But that was something that happened in Starkville. Just something interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, I still, there's still no more talk about curbside recycling. Like, I just don't know what's going on at the moment. I've been keeping my ear to the door. <laughs> And, you know, just I have no idea. Um, and lastly, for locally, a sad update. So the tornadoes hit across Mississippi in the Delta. And in Amory, people were killed nearby. And at least 23 people are dead in the Mississippi Delta. That was in Silver City, Rolling Fork, Winona, and Amory are among some of the towns. So right. we'll have a free press article linked down below by Ashton Pittman, the legend. And... If you can, there's donation links and stuff, but it's just really sad. It is sad. Yeah, when I was trying to look for good news this week, guys, it was a little rough, I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of sad about these tornadoes tearing through. Yeah. So I really just hope, I know they're just supposed to be trying to get some funds or, like, helping with that. So I just really hope that 
they can help the families and people that were affected by these tragic storms. Yeah, it's sad. It was definitely really, really windy here that night. Mm-hmm. And my patio furniture was all over the place, but at least I'm alive. Yeah. So, so sad. Moving right along to something a little more lighthearted in Emma's Opinion Corner. Yay! It's time for the hot take, guys. My hot take this week is that middle names are weird. <laughs> I know that they're there for, like, identification purposes and, you know, like, carrying on the family name, even when you get married, that kind of thing. But it's just kind of odd that people hide theirs and then, like, some people go by double names and don't have middle names. So I just think that they're kind of a strange thing and everybody has a little bit of a beef almost with them. (laughs) So, like, I don't mind my middle name, but it's not, like, something I get called by usually unless I'm in trouble by my mom. And that's not even often either, so. I, I like my middle name. My uncles used to call me Heather Ray all the time. Um, Mine's but, Emma Rose, in case y'all are wondering. <laughs> I I like my middle name because it was my dad's middle name and it was my mom's middle name. It's all three different spellings of the middle name Ray. Mm-hmm. So, I like that. Mine is part of my grandmother's uh, first name, Rosemary. So Nice. Yeah. Kind of cool, but like I just still think they're a little strange. I don't know. I think it's what makes you special, because there's a million Heather Harrisons, but how many Heather Ray Harrisons? That's true. That's true. Anyway, pretty lighthearted for that one, guys. Mm-hmm. Moving right along to our film review, I watched The French Dispatch 2021 on okay. HBO Max. I downloaded it to my phone before I got on a flight, and so I watched that. And the plot of this, it's basically a love letter to kind of journalist, but it is set in an outpost of an American newspaper in fictional 20th century French city that brings a collection of stories published in the, quote, French Dispatched. It was inspired by The New Yorker, which I didn't realize until after the fact. Hmm. So also kind of within this, they reference a lot of different authors and stories and stuff, and I didn't really realize that, so that's where the love letter kind of comes into. They... So I need to really rewatch it now. <laughs> so I'm telling you all this in case you decide to watch it to kind of pay a little more attention than me because I was watching mine on a little iPhone screen and didn't pick up on that. So I'll probably rewatch it. Anyway, this is directed by Wes Anderson. He's kind of known for his eccentric and kind of artsy looking kind of movies. Uh, does a lot of kind of set design and different stuff where they'll move flats in and out and like play with perspective. Okay. And he also did The Grand Budapest Hotel, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and just kind of other movies with that style. Uh, It stars Bill Murray, Timothy Chalamet, Tilda Swinton, Owen Wilson, Francis McDormand, and a lot of other random people that just kind of make cameos that you'll definitely just kind of recognize their faces. And so, what did I think? I really enjoyed this movie. It was nice to get to see someone actually play with the artistry and the layers that kind of come to it and blur the lines between fiction and nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So I just really appreciated it and uh, how they pretty much talked about the artistry within it. Instead of just talking about the people who write the stories of the French Dispatch, they immerse you in the stories and how they kind of write their stories. So it reminded yes. me of Heather, actually. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this is Heather going to the Board of Aldermen meeting and how she comes up with the story in her head. <laughs> so it, it just made you feel more like you were there rather than them just telling the story. 
Cool. So nice. I really appreciate it. And I think Heather would probably like it too. <laughs> but um, Yeah, it sounds right up my alley. I totally recommend it for y'all. Nice. Well, that sounds good. I will definitely check that out when I'm in the movie watching mood. Moving on to my book recommendation of the week. Books on the brim. I just listened to this. I listened, I like binge listened in two days because it was like nine hours long. But I basically had to drive down to Jackson and that's a four hour drive here and back. So I listened to half of it then on Wednesday, then the other half on Thursday. It's called The Last Flight by Julie Clark. And the premise is that there are two women and they have two different flights and they have one chance to disappear. So there's Claire Cook. She's one of the main characters. She's the wife of a politician and she wants to escape her abusive husband. And then there's Eva who has a dark past that gets revealed in flashbacks throughout the novel. So both characters have their voices and their own narrator for the audiobook, and they tell you their timeline. Claire's is really more in the present and then Eva's goes back through the past because Claire like her situation you start out with her and then Eva you don't meet Eva until they go to the airport so Uh, that makes sense but both women basically need to change their identities for their safety and so that's why they kind of found each other and then they had this plan I'm not going to reveal any more than that because I feel like that's a good enough premise for you to see if you like it or not that sounds interesting to me oh my god it was so good it was so good and it came out pretty recently I think I didn't check the date but I thought it was really great five out of five stars if you like anything like that it just very interessante in my opinion yeah it was published 2020 okay so cool if you like anything like that I feel like you would eat that up Definitely. Uh, moving right along to Fine Dining with Emma Dotson. Fine Dining with Emma Dotson. So this week, I'm going to tell you about my favorite frozen pizza. Because <laughs> I haven't eaten a lot of new things, so I figured I'd just tell y'all about this. If you have not had the Totino's Party Pizza, this is my personal favorite in the frozen pizza category. It is $2.29, pretty much from any grocery store. And I usually buy the triple cheese pizza and add my own pepperoni slash extra cheese. But it's fine straight up if you don't want to do that. It's just, it has a little crisp on the edge. And like, it's just chef's kiss. <laughs> so, you can't really beat the price either. So, like, there's other ones. Like, I like, like the Red Baron pizzas as well. But they're definitely more expensive. So, like, these, perfect single serving. You don't have leftovers. It's great. Nice. Every time. Delicioso. Moving into good news. If my tab would open, that would be nice. (laughs) All right. So all you adults out there that love soccer, well, you might have a club that you want to join. The Columbus Soccer Organization was founded about five years ago, and it allows adults to play soccer and rekindle their love for childhood sports. The organization is for adults ages 19 and up, and they all play together. I wonder if they have any tournaments. Doesn't say so in the article. I feel like they're probably just playing games against each other. Maybe so. But if you want to join in on the fun, you can visit columbusmssoccer.org and sign up. Yeah. For all you fun soccer people like me. Yeah. If you want to. You're out of shape and still want to play. Yeah. That could be a great way to meet some new friends too. Especially if you're like about to graduate and you're just going to stick around the area and you want to make some like non-college friends. Definitely. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about some legislatorial tea. (laughs) 
Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so we know if you're enjoying it and so that you stay tuned for our upcoming episodes and you know when they're coming out. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at OnTheScenePod. And you can also send us an email at OnTheScenePod at gmail.com. Yes, we will have one episode where we want to guest. That's April 13th. So if you want to come on the show for that day, let us know. We're looking for somebody interesting to share their story Something newsy. But yeah, guys, we're wrapping up. We only have two more episodes after this. Yeah. So definitely, if you want to get in and be a guest, now's the time. Do not wait. Um, Also, it's our chance to promote The Reflector. It is the student newspaper of MSU. And um, when you're hearing this on Thursday, I'm no longer the editor-in-chief. That's so sad. (laughs) That's so sad. Oh my God, that's so sad. Check them out, reflector-online.com and at reflectoronline on social media. I, Emma and I will tell y'all our future plans in an upcoming episode, but I'm really sad, but this is not the end for me. You will still see my name in a byline. And uh, yeah. That's all, guys. That's all. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.